Welcome to the LU Moment, where we showcase all the great events, activities, programs, and people right here at Lamar University. I'm Shelby Rodriguez, Public Affairs Manager here at LU, and we are gearing up to host our 2021 homecoming. And this week on the LU Moment, I have a very special guest here with me. Dr. Tamarla Chavis is our 2021 homecoming honoree, and I couldn't be more excited about this, guys. I have to tell you. Just a little background on Dr. Chavis. Uh, Dr. Tamela Chavis graduated from Lamar University with a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering in 1983 and at the University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio with her MD in 1987. After her residency in San Antonio, she completed a two-year fellowship in endovascular neurosurgery at the State University of Buffalo in affiliation with the New York Millard Fillmore Hospital. She moved to Chicago, where she worked as a neurosurgeon for more than four years, and Dr. Chavis opened her Beaumont practice right here in 2001. She is widely published and has been a speaker and presenter at conferences and programs around the country. She served as a dinner and conversation host and commencement speaker, is a past president of the LU Alumni Advisory Board, previous trustee of the LU Foundation, serves on the LU Chemical Engineering Advisory Council, and is a member of the President Circle. Wow. She was named a Lamar University Distinguished Alumna in 2004 and is among the few African-American female neurosurgeons in the country. Guys, I am super excited to have Dr. Chavis here with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, thank you for having me, Shelby. Now, I have to ask you, tell our audience a little bit about your um, background, your medical background, for those who may not be familiar. Well, I grew up here in Beaumont, yes. and I went to what was Hebert High School uh, mm -hmm. back in the day. Is it still here now? It is. It is on the site of the new Memorial High of oh, the man. Memorial High yeah. School. Yeah, how things change. Yeah, and so from there, um, I was recruited to Lamar University by Dr. Richard Price, yes. and I studied chemical engineering because back in the early '80s, engineering was a booming field. Mm -hmm. And Lamar University had one of the best engineering programs in the country, and it still does. Yes, yes, it sure does. When I was here at Lamar, mm -hmm. they arranged for me to work at DuPont. Yes. And so that allowed me to work uh, summers and even during the Christmas break to earn mm -hmm. some uh, extra money. Yeah. In addition to the scholarships that the university provided. Yeah. When I worked at DuPont, I got a real idea of what engineers did. Yeah. And I thought maybe I might like something with a little more interpersonal reaction. Yeah. So I looked at medicine. You know, I've always enjoyed taking care of people. Mm -hmm. My love language is acts of service. Yeah. And so I decided to look into the requirements. My chemical engineering degree, I had all the requirements for medical school in my core curriculum, yeah. with the exception of eight hours of biology. Well, that was perfect. It was perfect. And so I... Still graduated in four years. Wow. I think I went to summer school once. Yeah. I took swimming in addition to the biology course. Uh -huh. And uh, I applied uh, to medical school after taking my MCAT. And fortunately for me, it all worked out. The rest was history. I know. My professors here in the engineering <laughs> department were so mm -hmm. supportive of me. Yeah. There was a fear that I would lose my engineering scholarships. Yeah. But that did not happen. And they were like, go, girl, go get them. Go, girl, go. And so it was, <laughs> it was, they were fantastic. Yeah. Well, how did you end up in neurosurgery? Like, where do the two collide? Chemical engineering, neurosurgery, medicine? Well, when I was in engineering, I thought maybe I'd pursue some type of biomedical engineering yeah. while in medical school. And once I got there, I knew pretty much I wanted to do surgery. Mm -hmm. 
and I love children, especially little children. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll do pediatric neurosurgery. Yeah. And when I had to rotate on one of the surgery subspecialties in my third year, mm -hmm. I had a low pick, meaning I didn't get much choice in what was left. Yeah. And neurosurgery was one of the few things that was left. Oh so, my gosh. So by chance. By chance. Not even with you consciously saying no. I would do. Wow. It was not a conscious decision. They say a lot of times you select your residency by where you feel the most comfortable. Yeah. And everybody was just a little fun and silly, mm -hmm. a little quiet and laid back, yeah. and there was just a personality mesh that worked with me. Yeah. And I love the, the diagnosis, I love the problem solving, yeah. I love the neurological aspect of it. So I went with that. You went with that. Now, so earlier I mentioned you are one of a few black uh, female neurosurgeons in the country. Back then, did you did that ever register for you? Were you ever like, I'm making history? It I'm did. Like, what? It really? It did because I knew that I could probably count them on one hand yeah. when I started. Now, it's much different now, yeah. which is very good. But there were very few women in surgery, period. Yeah. There was one woman in the general surgery program. There was... Mm -hmm. There were two women in the urological surgical program, which yeah. is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And in the neurosurgery program, there were also two women, another yeah. woman from Arkansas. Yeah. So it was very different back then in terms of the rigors of how you trained. You know, they've put mm -hmm. in new rules where you can't work more than so many hours a week yeah. before allowing a break. Mm -hmm. Well, when I trained, it was, you know, when ships were made of wood and men were made of steel. Yeah. So you had to show up every day. Yeah. And to, you know, there were some things that were just understood back then in the 80s. They, you, they did not want anybody to have a child during reg residency. Yeah. Yeah. That's you tough. could in family practice. You could in internal medicine. Yeah. You could in ophthalmology. But it was just an unspoken thing back then that in surgery, yeah, just didn't happen. Yeah. Do you think that there was some sort of bias of like, ah, they're not going to really do us great or, you know, we're going to give her the terrible patients or the, the bad schedules? No, you have to prove yourself and yeah. you have to stand up for yourself. Right. And, you know, in all genres, respect yeah. is earned. Well, yeah. And once you do that, it's not, I think it's, it was harder for us because we were women. Yeah. But it wasn't ugly by any means. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The guys in the program would take me out hunting or, yeah. you know, we would all go out for a beer after work. Yeah. And I was never excluded from those activities. Yeah, but you just kind of um, knew that you had to be able to keep up. <laughs> You're but, be but when it came to the work, you yeah. know, I was actually told once, what do you expect? You're a girl. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that today's time is going to be big trouble. It, well, it is, and there there is not the political correctness that there was back then. Yeah. But in some ways, I appreciated the honesty and how they felt. Yeah. And that they were, I don't want to say comfortable enough, but they knew I could punch back when I got ready. Yeah. yeah. So, let's roll. You yeah. know. And I think um, back then people may have been more open to hearing what other people have to say as opposed to now with council culture and, you know, you better not say it's tough in this field. You, you got to be able to keep up, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you do. Yeah. And I can tell you it, it was a very interesting time back there because 
I remember when I started my, uh, oh, I was senior resident, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, in neurosurgery, there's only one, so you're, you're it. You're oh the senior. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Yes. This is eye-opening. <laughs> now, in general surgery, there's like five a year. Yeah. But for us, there was one. And you were it. And I was it. Wow. And everything was just, I thought, it's going great, 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 you know, 60 days in. And all of a sudden, big boss comes up. Yeah. You're not doing your job. I said, what? Yeah. I didn't say it, but I looked, and he went, everybody likes you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not pushing buttons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, you just wait. This is my honeymoon period. Give it a little time. Yeah, he's like, you're not pushing the envelope more, you know? Yeah, you know, it's like, I got your back. Go get them. Yeah, yeah. So it it was just an interesting time. But my bosses were supportive. They were very supportive. Did you ever feel pressure as a female, as a black female, to say, okay, this is a lot on my shoulders. I have to make it. I have to succeed. I did. You know, I grew up where we handled everything as kids. Mm -hmm. You know, we filled out all our paperwork. Mama signed here. Uh We figured out how we were going to go to college, how we were going to get paid for. That's just the generation I came from. So when I was in training, I thought, oh, I've got to handle everything myself. I've got to handle everything myself. Mm -hmm. Then the big boss came up to me and he said, Tamala, you have to learn how to use your friends. Mm -hmm. And what he was trying to say is you don't have to carry all this by yourself. If you need us to come in for you, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that yeah. made me feel good. Can you tell me about a time where you um, maybe saw another black female or another female in neurosurgery and you were like, wow. There was. I went to a national meeting mm-hmm. and I had been out. I was actually living in Beaumont at that time. And there was a women in neurosurgery luncheon. Yeah. And I had a chance to meet women in academics. Yeah. Uh, women who had received prestigious fellowships. Uh, scholarships to yeah. uh, do research these women were married they had kids yeah. and I was like yes it's finally changed we can man. we can have a life and we can do this yeah man I can't imagine just to see how the industry transformed over time from when you first started out to now the conferences and you're seeing these women who are regular everyday folks with families and husbands and you know they're doing their job so mm-hmm. I can't imagine I don't think they're everyday folks but they are having an everyday life which everyday I life. love yeah I think these women are incredible yeah so what has been um, maybe the most memorable experience throughout your career as you're building this legacy for those to come after you I think just trying to do my best yeah uh, to remember to always be supportive of other women. Yeah. And if I find that other women aren't being supportive of me, <laughs> put my blinders on and keep going forward. Yeah. But I believe in Madeline Albright, what she said about you have to support women. If not, there's a special place down oh! there for you. <laughs> Well, that's pretty bold. <laughs> Madeline Albright. Madeline, you're like, I didn't say it. I, didn't say I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so you are back here on campus. Obviously, this is not your first time back here on the Lamar University campus. But, you know, you were here in the 80s. How does it feel seeing how campus has transformed? It is so beautiful. Yeah. It is. You know, it was a very nice campus back then. Mm-hmm. 
but the artwork, the sculptures, yeah. um, the new buildings are spectacular. Yeah. And just to see the artwork downstairs in the Rio building, mm-hmm. I mean, it took me 10 minutes to get up here yeah. because I was staring <laughs> at it. Yeah, yeah. So that makes me feel so good, you know, because we're kind of surrounded by chemical plants and then yeah. we're kind of surrounded by, you know, a neighborhood that has not managed to keep up with right. growth. Right. And yeah. so to have the university sit here as this shining star, yes. it's incredible. Yes, and I'm sure the diversity on campus is a lot different than it was back in the 80s, you think? You know, we had we had all the um, black sororities and fraternities here. Same ones we have today. Yeah. Same ones we yeah. have today. We had all of the parties. Um, the thing that's different is we have more of a Hispanic population mm-hmm. um, at the university than we had then. We have more international students. Yes, yes, very um, huge. Yes, yeah. than yeah. we had back then. Oh, man. And so how would you describe your time here at Lamar University, your college experience here? It was really, really great. It The course curriculum, it was difficult. Yeah. You know, I did well. Mm-hmm. But I sweated through some courses, yeah. you know, and <laughs> this wasn't high school. Yeah. It, it was tough, but I tried to do well. I tried to participate in extracurricular activities. And I think if I had gone through and not participated in the extra uh, extracurricular activities, yeah. it would not have been the same. I think yeah. it would have felt a little more grueling. Yeah. But I had this release, mm-hmm. and I had this outlet, mm-hmm. and it really kind of saddens me that the students don't really center around the university after hours, yeah. because all of the parties were on campus in the Setzer Center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everything revolved around that. You know, they would have step shows in front of the Setzer Center, yeah. in addition to in the theater. Yeah. And so everything was just on campus. There was no going off campus now some fraternity houses had parties Mm -hmm. off campus yeah but for me everything centered on campus and you made the most out of that college experience you were a cheerleader you know I agreed to one thing and everything (laughs) just snowballed after that because I'm not the most outgoing person yeah but I just didn't say no what made you go out for um, cheerleading my best friend was going out Ooh. for the squad, and so I decided, well, if she's going out, I guess I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And so once I made the squad, you know, I had university recognition, which is how I got to be homecoming queen. Because he yes. got, well, that's the cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. You describe yourself as, um, you know, very soft-spoken or not being as outgoing mm-hmm. um, as, you know, but you were homecoming queen. Like, how does that translate? <laughs> but, you know, you have to remember, that was big, that was early in my sophomore year. Yeah. So how that happened, I'm not even <laughs> sure. Yeah. They're like, that Tamarilla, she has to be homecoming queen. She I was is the amazing. younger dog. I was in the engineering department. Yeah. You know? And that was like family. <laughs> but we were fairly small. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought, well, I'll put on a little suit and... Yeah. Wave to the crowd, and they announced me, and I thought, there's no way, because I knew who was on the court. Yeah. And I thought, oh, these, there's no way. You're like, no, she's for sure going to get it. And when they announced Tamarilla Chavis, what were you thinking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you do that? Yes. Or was no. Secretly like, yes. poised, poised. <laughs> 
Yes. I was crowned by President Kimball, so I oh, was poised. Wow. And you look very poised on that photograph. Thank you. Look you look very humble, like, okay, I'm taking my crown. So I love that. Thank you. <laughs> but yes. I love that. So how do you think um, your experiences here at Lamar University helped to shape maybe your life decisions or everything that came after LU? You know, apart from high school, yeah. you have a certain set of teachers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our teachers were from the community or from, you know, Beaumont. A few were away, but not many. But when yeah. you come here, you have a an exposure to a more diverse group yes and you learn how to interact with different types of people yeah you know you learn how to read their expectations and maybe how to change those expectations Um, you learn a lot about unspoken word Mm -hmm. you know and it was just a real good time for growth yeah and with the engineering program the best thing you learn is you have to solve the problem yeah. You know, how do we do that? I don't care if it's gardening or woodworking yeah. or personal plumbing at the house. Yeah. It's just solve the problem. When I went to college, mm-hmm. I did not want to burden my family. Yes. And so that's one of the reasons why I stayed home. Yeah. And I was given an opportunity to go to school without having to work. Mm-hmm. So that's why I could take 18 hours a semester yeah. and engage in extracurricular activities. Yeah. And I thought it's really important for students to really get into school and not be so boggled with how am I going to finance this yeah. or yeah. I have to go to work, I have mm-hmm. to be on time. Yeah, that's a true deterrent, that financial burden, yeah. So I thought, you know, I need to give back. Yeah. And they were having a campaign. And I thought, okay, you know, this is my time to pay it forward. Yes, I love that. And I think that everyone should think about that. You know, how do I pay it forward? Even if things weren't perfect every day, you know, how do I pay it forward and help bring someone else up? Because when you get an education and when you're able to achieve – a certain degree of income right you're able to not only help yourself but you're able to help your whole family right that's right that's right and what you want to do is try to pull everybody out generational wealth yes. they call it these days yes <laughs> yeah so your goal was to kind of help our students kickstart that a little bit right just like I was helped oh I love that I love that. And so, Dr. Chavis, if you could give our students um, a piece of advice, just maybe throughout life, if they're chasing their career, if they're unsure of themselves, anything, what advice would you give them? Remember to breathe. Yes. You've made it this far. Mm-hmm. You can finish. One <laughs> step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Right. Breathe and know you've got it in you. You can do it. You've got it in you. may take a little longer, but you can do it. You can do it. I love that, Dr. Chavis. I love that. You've got it in you, and you can do it. Now, we have homecoming coming up November 13th. 
You are our 2021 homecoming honoree. Are you ready for homecoming, Dr. Chavis? I am so ready for homecoming. <laughs> Most of my cheerleading squad is coming in, so mm-hmm. we're going to have our little reunion after the I game love and at that. the game. That's so adorable. I am so ready to see everybody. Yeah, and you've kept um, in contact with them? Yes, we get together not as often as we would like. Yes. But yes. But you come back together. It we didn't come matter. back, and it's just like when we were in college. Yeah. The same foolishness the same personality, (laughs) the same silliness. Yeah. We never missed a step. Never missed a step. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you all there November 13th. Thank you so much, Dr. Chavis, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Shelby. All right, Cardinals, that's a wrap here with our 2021 Homecoming honoree, Dr. Tamla Chavis. And as always, be sure to follow us on social media. You already know the username, but in case you don't, here's a hint. It's Lamar University. This is Shelby Rodriguez, Public Affairs Manager here at Lamar University, the pride of Southeast Texas.